The Old Testament reading this morning is Psalm 25, which can be found on page 549 of your pew Bibles. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. This is the word of the Lord. The New Testament reading is Luke 21, 25 through 36, and can be found on page 1056. There will be signs in the sun, moons, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your head, because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with the corrosing drunkenness and anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch, and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen, and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Each day Jesus was... Oh, sorry. This is the word of the Lord. 
Good morning. Uh, everything's set, I think. Uh, welcome to Advent. Um, I will just remind you before we get started that we did finish our People of the Book series last week, so if you read the Bible and f- put all your stickers on your sticker chart, Um, Even if you're still just finishing up and you need a couple more weeks, I think that'd be fine. You can bring your sticker chart to the office and get a prize. Uh, I love prizes. Uh, So please, come do that. Um, And with the end of that series, we are beginning the church year anew with Advent. Um, So if Thanksgiving was tough for you last week, um, if you were one of the people who felt like you were trying to wring gratitude out of your pain... uh, Advent is for you. Um, This is a season that invites us to take a clear-eyed look at ourselves, at our world, and say it as we see it. Uh, I'm always grateful for um, seasons like Advent and Lent that do not ask us to sugarcoat our circumstances. Our faith is one that insists on telling the truth. We can name, when we can name the painful realities as they are, then you know that you can also trust our joy. Um, one writer that I read this week, uh, Debbie, Debbie Thomas, um, she said, in Advent, we want, and we want fiercely. We sit in the darkness, longing for the light, which I thought was interesting because it's exactly what we had called our series this year, longing for the light. Um, this is the time of year when we can name our grief, our unfulfilled desires, the aches in us that are so deep that they feel like they constrict our breathing. We want in Advent, and we want fiercely. We admit that life is not all wrapped up in a bow that it doesn't so much look like the commercials that tell us that things will be perfect if we just buy the right thing, and that we want something different, something more, and we wait for it. We wait for Christ to make an appearance in the dark of the night, dawn breaking on Christmas morning, God entering into our world of woe, and we wait to celebrate Christ's or as we wait to celebrate Christ's first coming in Christmas, we are also reminded that we are still waiting for Christ to come again, to heal this world and to heal us fully and finally. It is a season that we remember what we wait for, and it is a season when we remember that we are waiting. Um, That's a really important point, to remember that we're waiting. Friedrich Buechner, I mean, not just in Advent, but always, we are waiting. Uh, Friedrich Buechner said it so well. He says, if we, are, if we forget that we are waiting, if we come to believe that the best that we have found God here in these shadows, the best that we have found of God here in these shadows is the best there is, if we come to believe that the most God wants for us is to be religious in the way we are religious in church, then we have lost touch with the living depths of our faith. Life is hard, and faith is hard, and friendship and family and growth and prayer and school and work, all of it is hard. 
and we are waiting for something more. In Advent, we don't shy away from the longing or brush past it. We take this time to stop and look close, to sit in the darkness, longing for the light. Our text today doesn't bring us into this season gently. It's more like a smack in the face. Um, we just did two weeks on Revelation, and then the lectionary hands us this text of Jesus talking in apocalyptic language, just like Revelation. Um, just like Revelation, he's weaving together text from the Old Testament and from other Jewish apocalyptic literature to talk about the things that are and the things that are to come. Um, in, this much, in his much longer speech that stretches from verse 5 to verse 36, we only read a chunk of it, um, Jesus is talking about both the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, which happened in AD 70. Um, And then he's also talking about his own second coming, when he will return to judge the living and the dead. It's kind of an intense passage, you may have noticed during the reading, Um, and it's really hard to understand. It's hard to tell exactly which event he's talking about when and what the signs mean. Um, Friedrich Buechner's sermon on this text started with this sentence, I don't know any other passage in the Gospels that is harder to understand. Uh, It's not like the most straightforward teaching that Jesus ever gave. Um, I'm not sure... Like I don't know, maybe the disciples would have just gotten it right off because they were more familiar with... uh, particularly the texts outside of the Old Testament. Um, But Jesus does make the point in several places, like it's really not about worrying about the time. We're not trying to figure out exactly when this will happen, even though we are called to be watchful and called to be ready. Um, What really stands out for me in this passage as clear is the stark contrast uh, between how people will respond to the signs and the sun and moon and stars and the anguish and confusion and the roaring and tossing of the sea and the shaking of the heavenly bodies. Like, remember, this is apocalyptic language, so it could be exactly those things or it could be symbolic. Um, But whatever it is, the people will be so scared about what is happening in the world that they will faint in terror. It sort of reminds me uh, of how I feel about COVID and climate change. Um, but I don't want to draw like too many straight lines here, right? Whatever it is, people will be scared to death. Um, and I don't mean that as a phrase. That word faint in terror means to be breathless. It might very well mean they will die because they are so scared. Uh, people will be scared to death. And then Jesus says to believers in verse 28, when you see these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. At exactly the moment when things look the most hopeless, when the world itself seems to be falling apart, then that's when you know your redemption is drawing near. Stand up, he says. Lift up your heads. From verse 9, earlier in Jesus' speech, we get the idea that these terrifying things have some sort of purpose. They must happen first, Jesus says. And like, we don't know why. Like, that information is above our pay grade. But Jesus is letting us know just enough so that we won't be surprised when it comes. So often, our suffering is made worse by our resistance to it, by our belief that it shouldn't be happening, at least not to us, right? We writhe in it, 
partially because of the suffering itself and partially because of our fear of it. Because of the anguish of the questions that that fear brings, like, what have I done wrong to deserve this? And why is this happening to me? And some suffering, you know, maybe demands those questions, like when it's a result of just making bad decisions. We can learn maybe to make better ones. But it's also true that this world is broken and God is bringing redemption. And in that process, in passages like these, we are assured that things will not be easy and we shouldn't expect them to be. We should not be surprised by the pain. So we can lay down our fear of the pain and know that the same God that is in charge when things are going well is still in charge when things are terrifying. God has not lost God's grip on the thing. These things must happen. It reminds me uh, of the disciples being scared and abandoning Jesus when he was crucified and then you know, descending into despair and going back to their old way of life. And then, like, as I'm reading it, I flip a few pages back and go, like, you guys, he told you already this was going to happen, like, two or three times. Like, did you not hear him? But they forget, right? And they're scared. And Jesus is so gracious with their fear, going to each of them, bringing them back into the fold. They're just not used to thinking in terms of the resurrection. And we're not either. Our faith has never promised us that we could sidestep death or pain. Jesus actually said, many times you will suffer. Things will be hard. And then he showed us how true that was by going to the cross himself. But it was precisely at that moment when things looked the most hopeless that Jesus showed up again. And he did not show up by going around death, but right through it. We are people who believe in the power of the cross, in the power of love and vulnerability and death, followed by a resurrection. A couple of chapters after our passage in in the book of Luke, so in chapter 23, um, when Jesus dies, it says this. It was about noon... And darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Perhaps those signs in the sun and moon and stars that he mentioned happen whenever the power of God confronts the power of evil directly. At the cross, when Jesus died and the sun stopped shining for three hours in the middle of the day, I'm sure that would have been terrifying. In that moment, it seemed like death had won and evil had triumphed and God was dead. But then quietly, three days later, they found the empty tomb. And that's what we see in our passage too. It's right at the moment when everything seems to be falling apart, even the sun and the sea, the most steady things that we know. It is right then that Jesus is finally and fully putting things back together again. Not by going around the anguish, but by coming right through it. 
And isn't that true of our experience in life, right? Like, we don't get through the pain of our, of our trauma, our past hurts, by, like, stuffing them down and trying to forget about them. We have to go deeper in until we find a way out the other side. We don't get through our conflict with one another by ignoring it, but by descending farther into it, having a hard conversation or two or three and finding a way out the other side. In Advent, we take courage and we look squarely into the darkness we are facing. Whether it's the darkness of our passage or some lesser precursor, and we stand up and we raise our heads and we remember that we're waiting. We practice this motion of being fearless in the face of the darkness because our God is there too. Even if we can't see as clearly as we like, we are longing for the light but we are not surprised by the darkness. It's this understanding of life and death and life again that gives us the courage to face not only the darkness in our lives, not only just to face it, but to step farther into it even. Um, The commentator, Justo Gonzalez, uh, in talking about this passage, he calls us to remember that throughout the Gospel of Luke, Uh, the vision of the kingdom is just a great reversal. Um, You hear it in Mary's song when she celebrates uh, being pregnant with Jesus. She sings, He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. And many of us with education and money, even just by virtue of living in the United States, um, we have more power and wealth than most of the world. Uh, We are on the bringing down side of that reversal. (laughs) Uh, And we have the capacity in that power and money to insulate ourselves from the pain of the world to a pretty significant degree. We can shop and drink and scroll ourselves into oblivion when the world seems too stressful. But knowing that Christ comes into the darkness, Christ comes to us through the darkness, whether it is in the blood and pain of birth at Christmas or coming again on a cloud in the midst of total upheaval, it gives us courage to move into the pain of the world, to enter into our own pain to live in solidarity with those who suffer more than us, to relinquish some of our power and wealth and comfort, to live out that great reversal even as we wait for it. Not because we're going to fix all the problems we see, but because we follow Jesus and we believe that his kingdom comes. Father Boyle says we go to the margins because that's where Christ is. We are a people who can face the darkness head on, who can even take steps into it because that is precisely the place from which our salvation comes. We have never been a people who believed we could sidestep death. We are baptized into death right as the first movement of our faith. 
We believe that death is precisely the place from which new life comes. We are a people of the cross and a people of the resurrection. This Advent, I encourage you to enter into the darkness without fear. Whether it is the darkness of your own heart or the suffering of the world, and look for Christ there. You may find it hard to see. You may have to wait. It may feel like more than you can bear. But it is from these dark places that Christ is born. It is from these dark places that Christ will come again. Just when things look the bleakest. Stand up, he says. Lift up your heads. Because then your redemption is drawing near. Please pray with me. Lord, it is so easy to be afraid. May your goodness and your grace and your promised coming make us brave. Lord, help us to to trust when we can't see our way forward or what's going to happen next that you are there with us, even in that place. That somehow, even in that, you are making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen.